0: Welcome to the Dream Machine. My name is Aaron.
1: And my name is Patricia.
0: Hey Patricia, uh, feeling a bit uh, golden today?
1: <laughs> yes, very golden. In fact, so golden that I'm ready to go on a grand adventure.
0: Okay, well let's go for it. Oh my god, it's tough to be a god. Spread where mortals have not trod, Be deified when really you're a sham an object of devotion, be the subject of song. it's a rather touching notion, all those prayers and those salams. and who am I to bridle, if I'm forced to be an idol, if they say that I'm a god that so me and Patricia have seen The Road to El Dorado. It's a 2000 American animated adventure comedy film directed by Eric Bebo Bergeron and Don Paul uh, with additional sequences done by Will Finn and David Silverman and also starring Kevin Klein, Kenneth Bar- Braga and Rosie Perez and also produced by DreamWorks Studios, of course. And also it's another uh, film which uh, the score has been done by Hans Zimmer. And, uh, but here's the thing about this, uh, I mean, I would say about the road to El Dorado, it's more of a road down the middle of the road, if you get what I mean.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree as well. Now this movie went through a lot of problems behind the scenes. It, originally, they wanted it to be a dark, uh, a darker movie, rated PG thirteen, very similar to, you know, a, a bit of a darker tone with ants and with the Prince of Egypt. But then there was some concepts that were kind of like shifted around to make it a little bit more lighter in tone. And when this movie came out in theaters, this movie was like bashed by the critics in fact it was like a huge um you know financial failure for dreamworks they claimed that it was a huge step backwards in terms of the quirkiness of ants and the grand scale of the prince of egypt but since then the the road to el dorado has become a bit of a cult classic but after uh, and here's the thing i never watched road to el dorado before doing dream machine and when i watched it. Yeah, I agree with you, Aaron. It's pretty middle of the road, and I can understand why it didn't really resonate with a lot of people when it first came out.
0: Okay, so getting into the story, uh, in, uh, Spain 19, in Spain 1519, two Spanish conmen known as Tulio Miguel uh, win a map uh, to the legendary City of Gold, El Dorado, in a rigged gambling match, though ironically they did win it fairly. After being accused of cheating with loaded dice, the two of a capture while being uh, chased by a bull and hide in barrels, which is surely sh- loaded onto ships uh, to be led by uh, Herman Cortez uh, to the New World. And so, uh, I mean, I, I guess the entrance into the film. Obviously, they, they did the whole like elaborate, you know, uh, musical number to uh, to bring us all in. And uh, and I mean, like, obviously, the Prince of Egypt did this as well. And uh, also, the um, I'll say that other animated films don't uh, haven't done this uh, trade at all. But uh, I don't know, like, uh, the, the, our introduction to what are supposedly our protagonists. And uh, I mean, I, I know I'm probably going to get some probably negative comments about this, but uh, I did not like the protagonists in this film. I I
1: can understand what they were trying to go for when it came to um, uh, Tulo and Miguel. Very similar to how, um, you know, Newman and Redford were in, you know, Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. They're supposed to be like these troublemaking protagonists who have a lot of charm in them and who, who kind of like woo people into their jokes, into their quirks. Um, but the difference between Newman and Redford is that they had such wonderful chemistry. If you if you ever watched, um, you know, uh, you know Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, they they had this uh, bit of charm that you know when when it came to like them causing a lot of trouble in the Wild West, and when it came to you know trying to rob the the train, and when it came to them trying to retire and go over to South America to live a better life, and then you know a tragedy hits. I'm not going to spoil it, but. They at least had some differences that made them unique, but here I, I don't really see a lot of differences be- between Miguel and Tulo, except that you know one of them is a lot more restraint than the other. But they both seem to have they're 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 more or less the same person.
0: Yeah, it's just it's uh, the thing with it is that uh, I mean I think putting the characters like uh, aside, like I think this is the whole premise of them being like uh you know confidence tricksters and con artists and stuff like that it's like i don't know like i kind of find it hard to root for somebody like that you know like uh, the fact that you know also some of that as well like these guys who they're doing all this uh this gambling with i mean we barely even know who they are like we don't know if they're bad guys or if they're good guys for all they know they could be screwing over you know people trying to like you know raise money for orphans for all you know like you know it's yeah like... but
1: um it is nice to know that we did start off with just a bunch of scumbags and one of them just so happens to have the map to el dorado how did he get it where did he find it nobody knows nobody knows, knows. Never yeah. answered.
0: <laughs> I know it's just but... it's, and that that thing is kind of weird it's <laughs> like oh hey I've got this uh, map to like uh, el dorado it's like uh, at least in, like uh, I mean you know in indiana jones when uh, you know uh, indiana jones finds like something to uh, you know finds like a clue To like some ancient (laughs) treasure or something like that. Like there, there was some like there was some kind of logical sense of what where how he obtained it, wasn't there? Yeah, sure. I mean,
1: he's an archaeologist. He this is what he does for a living. If you ever seen any of the Indiana Jones prequel movies or even the TV series back in the '90s, you know that he has been doing this for a very long time. Even his father was one, uh, an explorer. So he was able to gain enough experience so he can be able to. Uh, you know, hear information about a lost treasure, and you know, go out of his way to search for it. That makes sense. But you have some random guy in the street who just so happens to find a map leading to a city made of gold.
0: Yeah. Now I know some people are going to point this out, but it wasn't. Uh, I mean, I've not. I've never. i would be I'm going to surprise everyone here. I've never seen Titanic. Like or at least I, don't I have seen. I, you have like. Uh, wasn't Leonardo DiCaprio's. Character kind of like a deceiver in some way, was he? Yeah, yeah, uh,
1: yeah. In the beginning of the movie, um, uh, Jack Fabrizio and two other guys were playing poker in exchange, uh, you know, uh, for whoever won gets to win, uh, you know, uh, some money, uh, a watch, and two tickets to the Titanic. But that happened 10 minutes before the boat was gonna be boarding, Mm. so the guys who had bought the tickets previously probably did it like beforehand and they were betting money on oh guess what you know uh i'm gonna bet that um you know i get i am i'm gonna not only go to titanic but i'm gonna take your money and i'm gonna take your watch and you know jack and fabrizio were you know like betting like everything they had in order for them to see if they could have a trip to go to the titanic which was basically going to america and um you know jack got the full house and he won the tickets, and you know that happened like at the day that it was happening. So we actually, and we actually get to see how they were able to get in. So, you know, I, I, it's never explained on how this guy was able to get it. And I mean, you know, it's it's funny because this could have been like a a, a scheme that oh maybe this map was a fake, but you know, and and Miguel and Tulo they had like a bunch of gold but then this guy comes along and says, "Hey, I'm going to bet this map." I mean, if they're con artists, they could probably tell if it's a real or a fake because, you know, they they do stuff like this. They had weighted dice. They hmm. could probably tell in an instant it's like, "Oh, you know, maybe the um, the architecture is fake or maybe the language that is written in it is not real." It's I don't know, it just seemed like really sketchy that um they, you know, uh, at least one of the, um, the guys was able to, like, do it right away, even though they're, they're con artists, and they probably schemed so many people before.
0: Yeah, so they end up boarding the ship, and obviously they end up getting confronted by uh, Cortez, who's, uh, <laughs> here's the thing about this, like, he's kind of, like, one, I think, supposedly, of our main villains, I guess? Uh, yeah,
1: like... and and this, this actually did happen in real life, in which, you know, Cortez went over to the, uh, you know, he discovered the Aztecs, and they thought that he was a god, but he pretty much just, like, took advantage of them and overthrew the Aztec temple. That actually did happen in real life. Mm -hmm. And I thought that maybe similar to the Prince of Egypt, that, oh, maybe they wouldn't exactly, like, tell fully of what happened in, you know, during, you know, Cortez's, you know, discovery of Mexico, but maybe they'll kind of, like, fudge it a little bit enough, you know, for the kids to kind of... You know, not, like, see the major, you know, precautions of what happened. Because what happened was pretty brutal, actually. But, Mm -hmm. no, I mean, it's not... I mean, Cortez doesn't really, like, become, like, a major focus. I mean, he he doesn't even take over Mexico at the end of the movie. Yeah, I just It it just focuses on the con men.
0: Yeah, it does. And uh, I think um, in regards to um, this whole, like, the whole first act... I just think it's um, it, just, it just feels kind of weird and off pace uh, a little bit. And uh, then all of a sudden, like, uh, they end up getting thrown into the brig, and then they escape the brig with the help of a horse known as uh, Alvito, Alvito, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Alvito, yeah. yeah. This is, this is, I, I, this, this I, I, is the thing, like, like a... I'll, I, you know, this is another thing about this uh, film at all. Like, uh, I remember uh, Julio and Miguel, but I don't remember most of anyone else in this film. Really, yeah, it's
1: true. I mean, I guess you could argue maybe Chell or you know, maybe some of the maybe like the priest and the king, but yeah, um, this this horse, you know, you're trying to have like a bit of personality, but it it kind of falls flat to me. I, I think that. It wasn't perfected for me with, like, a memorable horse character until the horse from Tangled. Mm -hmm. That horse is awesome.
0: Yeah. So um, they obviously escape the boat, and then they get to, um, they finally get onto dry land, and uh, then um, after uh, this, uh, another uh, musical number of them searching through the... uh, through the jungle, that uh, they finally find uh, The Road to El Dorado. And, uh, yeah, it's just like, um, there's, a, there's another you know, there's another thing about uh, El Road to El Dorado as well. Can, can, besides, uh, it's tough to be a god. Can you remember any other of the musical numbers in this? No! No. <laughs>
1: Absolutely not. And it sucks, too, because it was done by Elton John and Tim Rice, who also did the music for The Lion, Lion
0: King. Yeah. and and, uh, and
1: their music was incredibly memorable. But, yeah, other than that one song, I don't remember a single one.
0: Yeah, it's just it's uh, and it was Hans Zimmer as well. It, like he doesn't really bring anything. He, his his music is kind of in the background, really. Like uh, you know, you kind of too. Uh, there's one thing I will say about this film, which I think is uh, pretty worth not- noting the uh, the art in this movie is beautiful. Like, yes, I'll definitely absolutely. say that. Like
1: I do like the fact that it's varied. You know, it, it goes from Spain, which you know has all the buildings and has. You know the bull, and uh, you have the ships that are you know sailing over to the new world. Then you have the ocean, which looks amazing, and then finally you have El Dorado, which is beautiful with its greenery and the gold glistening. It's amazing, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I just think um, I mean some of this stuff is kind of like you know Miyazaki level a little bit. Like you know all the all those uh, water creatures that are like in the in the sea and stuff. Like uh, that that was that was quite amazing to watch.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. It's it's really creative i do have to give this movie that it, that the animation is gorgeous and the designs of the creatures and and the settings are, are just amazing I, and you know I, I i think that you know maybe for some people they're able to appreciate the art uh, in this movie which i can definitely see why
0: yeah um so we're then introduced to the city's elders which is a uh, chief Tanabok and also uh, tizel khan who is uh the uh wicked high priest and, you know, oh, of
1: course, of course, there has to be a, either an evil priest or a vizier to the king in uh, pretty much every movie ever since Aladdin.
0: Yeah, I tell you, when I first saw him come up on screen, I was like, yeah, how are you doing, Jafar? It's like, you know, <laughs> it's,
1: like,
0: it's like, yeah, they, 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 there's nothing about it. Don't you think Road to Dorado? don't you think a lot of it is borrowed? A little bit. It's like you know, like the beginning of the scene when they win the map. It's like that kind of feels borrowed from Titanic, and now here we have this priest who's kind of feels borrowed from Jafar from Aladdin, and uh, then yeah. you have uh, the uh, you know uh, you know we have the uh, the the comical duo, and like uh, it's like and you told me there was a you know that was a reference to another movie, you know from uh, a while back ago. It's like uh, yeah, it just feels like you know okay, let's borrow some of this, let's borrow some of that, let's take some of this, let's take some of that. It doesn't feel like. Uh, Yeah, it it doesn't feel all that original when you when you look at it, really. Uh, I mean, it's like, uh, and I
1: know they're trying, and I know they're really trying because they're trying to make Miguel and Tulo this dynamic duo. They're trying to make the characters endearing and kind of sadistic and sinister. I know that they're really trying, but I don't know. There's just something about it that doesn't feel like. Mm, I don't know. There, there, something about it just doesn't click for me. Yeah, I guess the
0: I guess one of the thing um, one person I guess I'd probably say you know be probably being a guy probably the memorable character is Shell, just like you know how how she's she's on the screen and everything. Like, oh yeah, uh, yeah, I
1: mean th- I mean it's Rosie Perez. I mean every yeah. time that you see Rosie Perez in anything, you just you, you just immediately gravitate to her voice and the way that she acts. I mean it's it's no brainer.
0: Yeah, and they drew yeah, and they drew her nearly naked as well. Let's let's, let's face <sighs> it, like oh, uh, yeah, she was, she's the, oh. she's she's the icon of this whole thing, pretty much. But
1: but, um, one of the things that I do appreciate about this is that she's not the love interest. She's just as much of a con artist as, as, you know, Miguel and Tulo. And I, I, I can really appreciate that, that she's not just like some pretty princess who wants to leave El Dorado because she's so bored with the way that things are. And... You know, she wants to adventure out into, you know, vast lands. And ugh, no, at least she's different. I yeah. can give her that.
0: And like, it's, it's just, but it's kind of uncharacteristically different as well. It's like uh, she's, I mean, she's somebody who's like has spent like time in uh, an isolated um, tribe of people. She doesn't really like. She, she kind of sounds like she knows kind of like what the outside world is like, which is really yeah, that she, is
1: very strange because. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she's not really that shocked with Miguel and Tulio walking in and, you know, the fact that they have white skin and are are riding a horse, which I want to remind you in Mexico back then, they didn't have horses. I mean, she's not even like remotely shocked. I mean, she kind of suspects that they're kind of off when... Um, you know she sneaks into their room and they're talking about like that they're going to pretend to be gods and then she kind of like weasels them into her plan about that she wants to have a third of the gold and she wants to go with them to wherever that you know they plan on going to so there's not much of a shock when she finds out about their evil plan and you know, and I'm also really intrigued about the fact that the king is being pushed around by the priest, even though that the king is supposed to be the ruler of El Dorado. Um, the priest seems to be like dismissive of him, which actually just gives a pretty interesting. Well, point about
0: my, my, how... my my argument to that would be is that uh, you know he proclaims to be the uh, the voice of the gods, and so like you know exactly. how that's this that's his and... power play in this whole political structure of uh, the uh, El Dorado people. Right, you, right, right, right. Yeah. And and
1: that's an interesting argument about how uh, priests and how shaman medicine people, they seem to have like a bit of power that a king cannot do, like whether it be speaking to the gods or, you know, talking to the spirits and seeing if they can be able to bring rain or, you know, make the crops good. So it kind of gives an underline about how much power that, a, you know, somebody like that has
0: hmm so uh uh so uh, uh says that uh, at least it'll take them at least three days to construct the vessel for them to leave with all the gold and and everything so obviously there's like three days of like hijinks and like you know that's the, that's the thing like, the, the boat is kind of like the plot device to like uh, keep them in the in the city so like all these hijinks can like all ensue and like the whole story plays out and uh so that's, yeah, that, that's a, all of that goes on and meanwhile Cortez is um, you know arrived on the island and he's going to uh so they build, they're building up, basically, that, that threat. But, uh, you know, it's um, I guess you could say one thing about this film is that I guess there are a lot of threats that can be, um, uh, uh, you know, that are there for our protagonists. And it's not just that, it's this high priest who's, uh, you know, really crazy and wants to kill everybody, but uh, then there's also Cortez as well who's going to be bringing... Uh, his men to uh, potentially, you know, be a be a problem for the uh, the El Dorado yeah. people. But then, yeah, the problem that time. with that is, though, is that the problem with that then is that, but the, the you know, then you're stuck with these two, you know, kind of knuckleheads who are kind of like, oh, let's, we're going to flee these people anyway. Like, I feel really sorry for these for this tribe of people
1: because, like, here's all these yeah. people I want to,
0: I want to, you know, destroy them pretty much. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, there is like no. Cushioning for the people of El Dorado, they pretty much get screwed over. It's either you have these guys who are pretending to be gods and they're taking gold, and they have no, um they have no interest about what the other people are feeling. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, yes, absolutely, that there is a part in the middle of the movie in which, you know, they see how you know they're being frightened and they're being told that. Um, You know, to stay away from the neighborhood because the gods will, uh, you know, seek wrath on them and punish them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that does get, you know, brought up. But, you know, then you have but they still want to steal the gold and they still want to go away instead of like, oh, you know, maybe we should stay and, you know, kind of like, you know, uh, you know, share everything that we know about Spain and maybe we can help these people out. And you know, of course, then we have Cortez, who wants nothing more than to find Miguel and Tulo and take them, you know, take them back to their ship. But then, oh, we just so happen to stumble upon this land that is filled with gold. And you know, what we, as mentioned before in history, you know, they he he takes over the Aztec kingdom and pretty much just like decimates the whole thing. Which nowadays, you know, it's now known as Mexico, and everything is like left into ruins. But yeah. But,
0: um, it's, but anyway, me back into the movie, and uh, th- 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 this is the um, so there's that going on. Then there's, somehow they managed to uh, p- throw in a, a shell, uh, you know, Tulio romance into that as well. And uh, I, I don't know; it just feels if it feels like all the craziness going on. Apparently, there's still time for that. So uh,
1: yeah, that was really tacked in. I d- I didn't like it.
0: Yeah, and also that is when when they kind of inqu- they, when they kind of uh, you know implied that they both had sex. Like uh, it's like it's kind of like yeah that it kind of just uh, you know forces in like yeah that's what shells there for pretty much it's like uh, which is which is unfortunate so uh, I'm sure that I'm sure there was a lot of rule 34 fan artists that made a lot of uh, sense out of that but <sighs> uh, yeah so and so there's that and then uh, but then there's I guess there's some likability I guess like like 45 minutes into the movie with Miguel when he finally starts warming up to the tribes people and thinking hey maybe these are people that we shouldn't be you know scamming out of out of gold. Yeah,
1: that's really—that's one of the scenes that I really did like is that, uh, you know, he's actually doing like that montage of, you know, one of the songs that you don't really remember and, you know, scene about how these people live and feeding the animals and... Um, you know, interacting with the children. I, I like that scene. Yeah, I, I just uh, wish there was more of that.
0: Well, I'll talk that as well. Like, uh, dare say, probably Miguel's probably more down to down to earth than Tulio is, because you know, it regards to. Uh, I mean, this is the thing: we don't know the really these guys' backstory. Like, you know, did they grow up together? Did they? Uh, I mean, are they? Uh, I mean, were they uh, adopted brothers in some way? Like, uh, were they? Uh, well, we don't really know the history between these two people, really. Like, no, we uh, don't. No. We-,
1: we don't at all, and that's a real shame because. You know, I know that they're trying to build up these characters into likable protagonists. But, yeah, you're right. We don't really know about them. I mean, were they always in the streets and they had to, you know, con people so that they could be able to eat? Uh, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe their parents died at an early age and maybe they had to stick together. Yeah, there's nothing really explaining on why they are the way they are. Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, well, um, so, then they end up kind of, like, you know, having the, uh, you know, the the, uh, traditional falling out between the two people, because, you know, of course, like, uh, and I get that, maybe I'm being a little bit rough on this movie, because I know, I know we've had, like, uh, you know, uh, I guess that it was made in 2000, and that was kind of, like, the, you know, that was what stories were kind of, like, telling at the time, like, oh, here's two, you know, buddy guys, you know, they'll break up halfway through the film, and then they'll get back together in the crescendo, and, like, uh, so that, that kind of plays out as well, and, uh, so, um, and then, uh, it's just, it's, uh, but, yeah, that that, that happens, and then they have the, uh, big, f- and then they have the big finale that's, uh, you know, to stop the priest and the, uh, you know, Cortez from, uh, you know, storming their way into the, uh, into El Dorado, and, uh, they crashed the, uh, you know, they crash down the, uh, the, the cave that they ended into, and that was, uh, and that stopped them, basically. Yeah, so, uh,
1: uh, yeah, it's like, oh, uh, you know, easily problem solved, Just. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I mean, there is one. That, you know, when the uh, some of the people in the Eldorado Dorado are starting to catch on that they weren't actually gods. Like, I, th- I thought, like uh, you know, when the, when J- uh, Chief Tannebuck was, uh, you know, you know, he's there with his cigar and like he's like, you know, he- saying, oh, you know, uh, we're all we're all just human, and like he's kind of like hinting on that, that so he knows, you know, you ps- know that they these two guys are not, you know, gods, and like I'm thinking, like, you know, if you if you spend this time really believing that, and then all of a sudden you believe that they're not, like, uh, wouldn't you be really angry at that, rather than kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, kind of in- in- hinting that, you know, they're in- he's in on the scam now. Like, that bit was yeah. really confusing to me.
1: That is really confusing, because... I mean, they basically believed that these people were gods, they were going to help them in the age of the Jaguar, and, you know, bring prosperity into, you know, the city of El Dorado, but... Yeah, yeah, the fact that... Which is kind of
0: hilarious, because they already had prosperity. They had all the gold. And exactly, I mean, <laughs> so it's like, what
1: prosperity else? What, what else do you want? I know,
0: like, that That was bit was never really explained either. Like, it was like, because the, uh, the high priest was kind of like, oh, we got to kill all... we got to you know, have, like, a you know, a, a, a sacrifice-a-thon, pretty much. Or Ooh, like uh, The sacrifice
1: is a lot more... Um, toned down compared to what real sacrifices in the aztecs was it's like their their sacrifices were brutal
0: I, i'll like, give you that about- I'll, I'll give you that but in the context of the film it was kind of like that was his kind of his thing you know like uh, it's exactly like, uh, yeah. like
1: giving sacrifices which you know it, it it does follow in you know the the aztec culture about like giving sacrifices to- you know, especially to the enemy, you know, uh, prisoners They would do this to.
0: Yeah. but so, you know, I, well, let me say, we say this. And I guess some people are going to say, well, you know, that is, you know, what, you know, Aztec people, you know, were, some, were somewhat about at least the kind of hints to that. Like, well, I tell you, when we get to our next film, I'll definitely tell you why, you know, sticking so far, you know, to a story to the key is a bit of a problem and why why at least you should take liberties when trying to entertain people. So sure. So sure. we'll definitely explain about that in the later film. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I mean... There's no much else really to say about it, really. It's just kind of like... Yeah, uh, so basically,
1: the, yeah, the, the climax is is that, you know, you have the priest turning into, like, this rock uh, creature, and then you have, um, you know, the, um, Tulio, Miguel, and Shell riding the boat with a bunch of gold, you know, trying to, get, trying to escape, and then they end up losing every single bit of the gold. And, yeah, the only gold the, the... they have left is the horse, you know, because he was... You know, he had um, you know hooves made of gold, and they didn't know that. And we yeah. just kind of see them riding away.
0: Yeah, like the well, the, uh, the magic in this uh, movie isn't really well explained. Pretty much, it's like uh, there's this high priest like who's like he's kind of like a god himself in a way because like what he can he like, he slices his hand and then all of a sudden it like repairs itself. Like in, he's like,
1: Piccolo from Dragon Balls.
0: And I, I know yeah. it's like it's just it's. Uh, it's really strange. It's like uh, he's uh, he's like a Mortal Kombat character, pretty much. It's like he's like like Raiden from Mortal Kombat. I mean, not Raiden, but uh, you know, he just it's uh, he's um, he looks himself a like he's like he's he's above mortals and like he can do like all this crazy stuff. And, like he makes all this stuff appear and like everything like that. And, like uh, there's no, you know, he he's more. Dare I say he's like he's probably more confusing than Elsa from Frozen because he's like his power's not really all that explained. Of like why does he do these types of things? Yeah, and
1: also, I'm also asking about the fact that, um, you know, in in the prince of Egypt, Hotep and Hoy, who were the magicians to the pharaoh, there was an explanation on how they were able to do their magic, their magicians. It was all smoke and mirrors. Mm -hmm. And when it came to, like, the plagues of Egypt, they couldn't do anything about it. But here... Uh, the priest is able to do all this stuff, and it's never explained on how. Is it smoke and mirrors? Is that what it is? But oh no! You, you, not, you think
0: then... you think him controlling that uh, Jaguar, that robotic Jaguar, was uh, all smoke and mirrors? Do you think? And then you, I, uh, I guess not. I no. mean, especially
1: since you know back then they didn't have like. Uh, technology in which they were able to you know have that ro- you know like a robotic jaguar so no of, cu- of course not it's never explained well my only
0: explanation is that he's Sorry. been he's been you know he's uh, it's been 10 years since ghostbusters and like he's been possessed by gozer or something <laughs> I, I i don't know like uh, I, I, I i don't know what else to, how do explain you know what what this magic is how the magic works in this film yeah, this so, film. Uh, you know like uh, i you know magic in itself is a, is a magical element but you know in, in the context of a movie, at least like take something like Harry Potter, like at least that has some kind of consistency to it, like uh, how the magic all works in that. In that, but uh, um, you know, besides that, like uh, in this film, it's just it's a it's just really weird because you you, know, you keep like you feel like you're flipping through phases. Yeah, the, the magic. You don't know whether you're going to be going through a con-artist movie, or if you're going through a magical fantasy movie, or whether you're going through like a buddy comedy, or like, uh, or you're going through like you know the romance between Tulio and Shell. It's just like uh, it feels all thrown together and kind of mixed around, but it doesn't really. It feels like more like a you know a, some kind of compound that you really made rather than something that's kind of fluid. You know. And yeah, just-
1: you can definitely tell that this movie went through some major behind the scenes issues of you know what you know the story was originally going to be about because. It doesn't
0: feel cohesive. I tell you, at one point I was expecting, you know, like uh, a a cheese with eyes coming up and saying, "I am the cheese. I am the best part of this movie." Like, you know. (laughs) Oh my god! Oh Oh, dear. So, uh, anyway, uh, though they have no, the ending of the movie is really kind of a bit strange as well because it's just kind of like just shell stealing the horse and then running after her. Like, you know, like uh, like, uh, how are you guys going to get back to Spain? How are you guys going to go into... Get, how are you guys going to get next... going to eat? Like, uh, you're in the middle of nowhere from the looks of it, and now you're just running after I don't, I don't I don't get that, you know? Yeah,
1: I guess maybe they left it on the cliffhangers, like, you know, more adventures ensue, but the movie was such a bomb that they decided, no, we're not doing this again.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's, uh... uh unfortunately, it's just, it's, um... Just, yeah, that was that was that like uh, you know uh da da did it do you know <laughs> right so um going on to uh, it's critical well yeah critical reception it was uh, 48% on rotten tomatoes pretty much so it was uh, again it's, it's a, a middle of the road film you can definitely tell like there there are some good bits to it i'll I tell you what i will admit the the the, the romance between Tulio and Shell is quite is quite cute like, uh, I would, I would love there to be, if, I mean, I, I really hope there isn't going to be a sequel, but, you know, if there was a sequel, I'd really only be like, kind of like those two kind of like working out their, uh, you know, their relationship while being con artists, you know, like, yeah, I mean, kind of being like a dark human
1: to the Uncharted series. Maybe they can just like travel to another, you know, another civilization and maybe try to, you know, do something there. I don't know. mm mm-hmm.
0: So uh, the box office actually on his opening weekend, actually did twelve million dollars, and actually went behind a uh, number two on uh, the previous year, behind previous year's Aaron Brokovich on the third weekend. Uh, the film closed in uh, June twenty nine two thousand, earning, uh, earning only fifty million dollars, uh, which uh, and only another twenty five million overseas, uh, and its worldwide total was uh, seventy six million dollars uh, apiece. In, in but it did not uh, do enough to uh, recoup its uh, ninety five, nearly a hundred million dollar budget. budget
1: yeah that's true and in fact um I actually do uh want to mention about movies in two thousand. Most of them were either box office failures or um most of them were just pretty forgettable like i I'm actually gonna read you a list of the highest grossing animated movies of two thousand well a- a- more like a top nine because number ten is actually a Japanese movie and it never released in America or anywhere else. So I'm not going to count that, but... Well, tell us uh, what that number, one is anyway, no, just in
0: case it's a... Is it, is it a Miyazaki one or is it a... Uh,
1: no, 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 it's not a, it's not a Miyazaki one. Oh, it's, oh, okay. um... Uh, let me see if I can pronounce this. Uh... uh hold, hold on. She's I'm going to go,
0: one. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I know,
1: I know. I mean, I'm having a go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, let's see.
0: How do you pronounce it?
1: Okay, here it is. Got it. Um, number ten is Dorimon Nobita and the Legend of the Sun King. Uh, okay. Dorymon is you know the little uh, blue kitten, and I know that he's really popular in Japan, but we we never got him in America until like much later on. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, number nine is Titan A.E., which only made $36 million, and that was a box office failure.
0: Yeah, like, that's a shame, really, because uh, there, there is actually a cult following for Titan A.E. So, yeah, oh, okay. I-,
1: I actually did talk about Titan A.E. in my Fox Animation Studios podcast, which you can go check out. Mm-hmm. Then number eight is The Road to El Dorado. Yep. Yeah uh number seven is Fantasia two thousand which made ninety million dollars
0: oh boy i like, no no didn't hold a uh a fl- didn't hold a candle up to uh Fantasia the original one so
1: number six is the Tigger movie which made ninety six million dollars
0: do is they actually remember the Tigger movie okay like-
1: Um, I mean, I I guess if you're a Winnie the Pooh fan, but I actually saw the Tigger movie in theaters, and there were a couple of other Winnie the Pooh movies that came out throughout the 90s and 2000s, and I actually liked that one. I I haven't seen the Piglet movie or the other ones that came out afterwards, but that was Disney Toon Studios, and uh, we did talk about Disney Toon Studios in another podcast where they were known for doing the direct-to-video movies. Okay. So. Okay, number five is Rugrats in Paris, the movie, which made $103 million. Okay. Number four is Pokemon, the movie 2000, which made $133 million. Well,
0: that's amazing. The fact that we're in the Twilight of the Pokemon craze, I think, uh, I think we can be given that that was going to be a high-grossing high movie in 2000, I think.
1: Okay, so. number three is The Emperor's New Groove, which made $169 million. Mm-hmm. Which I, I, you know, I, I it's funny because, um, you know, The Emperor's New Groove, I believe, came out a few months after The Road to El Dorado, or maybe it was a few months before. And I remember that there was a lot of comparisons between the two movies because it's um you know, it's a buddy cop movie. It takes place in South America, and you know, wacky hijinks happens.
0: Yeah, I just think uh, for me, it's um, i I never, se- I'll be honest, I've never seen The Emperor's New Groove, so uh, I'm not. I've only, I've only ever just seen clips of it, really. So.
1: Okay. Number two is Chicken Run, which made $224 million.
0: Which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, we will be reviewing on Remembrance Day. So uh... Yes.
1: And, and, and you know what? It's funny because um, Chicken Run is still, as of 2018, the highest grossing stop-motion animated movie ever. hmm Okay. And you're not even going to believe what's number one. You're going to cry. What's number one? Number one. Number one, making three hundred and forty-nine million dollars at the box office, is Dinosaur.
0: Dinosaur. Well, I well, will tell you what, actually, uh, I can. You know, dinosaur was a kind of a thing at that time. Like I can't understand why it's. Um, I mean, why it was because it was a. Um, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't anything to really know. It basically, it was just like a um, you know, dinosaur meets up with other dinosaurs and walks towards the new. You know, to their new uh, laying patch, I guess.
1: Yeah. Land Before Time, you are not.
0: Yeah, definitely not.
1: But yeah, you can see like those movies. I mean, either, you know, a lot of these movies were just either okay or they were box office bombs. So, yeah, the the year 2000 was not a good year for animated movies. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so uh, that was um, The Road to El Dorado. And so, as you probably tell, it was uh, not massively noteworthy. But uh, mind you, ladies and gentlemen, the next one we're going to be reviewing next week, um, we need to have a sit down and talk about. So uh.
1: Yes, yeah. we do.
0: So, from me, Aaron. And Patricia. Take care and bye for now.
1: See you later.